Welcome to the Wild Soul Cast. I'm your host, Anna Kinkela. This is a sacred space where we hold deep conversations on spirituality, conscious leadership, feminism, creativity, and how to more meaningfully and intentionally nurture connection within ourselves and with others. Welcome to episode three of the Wild Soul Cast. This is your host, Donna Kinkala, and today we are going to be diving into the topic of intuitive eating and how to develop a more deep and intuitive relationship with yourself and how you eat. I'm super excited to have you learn from Corinne on this topic. She and I met on Instagram and she had me on her podcast and we'll talk about this at the very beginning, but it was just such a joy and pleasure to have her on and I really, really loved diving deep with her on this topic. So Corinne Dobas is a registered dietitian with a master's in nutrition who specializes in food and body image coaching. She's also an ex-matchmaker turned dating coach. Corinne takes a holistic, anti-diet, health-at-every-size approach to nutrition and wellness, helping her clients take back their power from food, feel confident in their body, and reconnect to themselves. When it comes to dating, she helps clients find their worth, remove their blocks, and learn some new tricks so they can attract the kind of partner they really want. Today, we're really going to be focusing on diet culture and eating. And so this is a topic that really, really resonates deep with me because I've had my own body image issues, my own issues with eating and dieting. I've done it all. I've tried it all. And I've finally really settled myself on intuitive eating. And um, this podcast is by no means saying that this is what you should do. It's just another viewpoint for you to consider as you look at your own relationship with food and diets and body image. And one of the things that I really like about Corinne's approach is that it is really embracing that concept of wildness, of just listening to ourselves, listening to what's true for us, and letting that guide the way in all realms of our lives. So I hope this episode resonates for you as much as it did for me. And without further ado, here is Corinne. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Wild Soul Cast. Um, this is your host, Anna Kinkela. And today I am really excited um, to be inviting Corinne Dobas onto the podcast. She is someone who I met online on Instagram and she invited me onto her podcast. And I just loved everything about Corinne and what she does with women and her work. And so I invited her onto mine. So I'm excited to chat with her today and learn more about what she does in her business. Welcome, Corinne. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be on your show. And I think it is so fun that 
you were on my show. I'm on your show. <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I mean, there's this beautiful, beautiful thing that could happen where you form really groovy relationships online. I mean, it can happen, you guys. It can happen. Yes. I totally love that. I love the collaboration and just the sisterhood that comes with that. So yes. So excited to dive in today. Yeah. Um, so just to start off, um, if you could tell some of our listeners who you are, what you do, a little bit about your work in the world, that would be a good way to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so who I am, um, well, I, it's a lot of the work that I do. It all centers around helping women make peace with food, feel more empowered and peaceful in their bodies. So a lot of body image healing work and to really connect with who you are as a whole person. So, um, I am a dietitian. I'm also, I will say this, but we're not going to get into that conversation today. An ex matchmaker turned dating coach is a, a little bit of a different story, but bottom line behind everything, I think that it is that I really do. It's about helping women, you know, really feel confident in their clothes and their bodies, eat what it is without guilt or rules and just develop like deep, meaningful connections in their lives. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, that, that took me a long while to, to get to. And it's just, I feel very strongly about that mission. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I love this piece of your mission that really kind of targets, the fact that we can approach our health and eating from this guilt-free, rule-free perspective. And I think that's such a refreshing viewpoint in our culture and so needed for women. I know that that's something that I struggled with for a long time. So I'd love to kind of hear what the difference between your approach is versus maybe like diets and restrictive eating. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great, it's a great point. And I, you know, I think that the big difference between my approach and like the dieting world or diet culture, um, is that a huge element of my work is really focusing on intuitive eating, um, the self-compassion and all that stuff is thrown in there, but, um, intuitive eating, if you're listening and you're like, what in the world is that though? It's <laughs> becoming a buzzword and much more, you see it much more often, but it's interesting because even if you see it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you actually know what it is. So it's really the practice of learning how to trust and listen to your body and work with your body instead of trying to work against your body, which is a lot of like what the dieting world and diet culture has you do. So it's really about breaking free from the diet mentality and understanding, but it's not even understanding, it's internalizing. This is why it's such a practice that there really is no good or bad foods, no should or shouldn'ts. Like you really begin to stop calorie counting, meal planning, like relying on willpower. You take your weight off the table. You're really beginning to focus on and listen to and trust, which does take time. Um, just like any other relationship, your relationship, learning to trust your relationship with your body um, takes time and it's a practice. So I think, you know, getting to your question, the big difference between the work that I do and the work that you typically associate when you think of, you know, food and bodies and stuff, we're thinking like 
counting and measuring and willpower. And none of that really is helpful, which is why diets have an over 95% failure rate. Mm. And they lead to, um, you know, they lead to obsessive food thoughts, food preoccupation, which is basically like constantly thinking about food, increased binge eating, overeating, disordered eating, eating disorders. So it's like, really, when you look at it, it's like, we're trying to do something um, or trying to control and contort our bodies into something that they are not naturally supposed to be at, which also gets into this other thing that I do in my work. It's called Haze or the Health at Every Size Approach, which is really beginning to look at and understand that you can be healthy at any size, hence the Health at Every Size Approach. So um, there's that element too. So that goes back to taking, not trying to control your weight, but again, working with your body and focusing on health behaviors that you have the ability to empower you, like the foods you decide to eat, the messages you let in the world, you're into your world and the people you decide to hang out with, your social media feeds. Like it's a whole, whole process and that sheds some light. Yeah. So it's being really intentional about tuning into your own body and what your own needs are and your own cravings um, and listening to that essentially. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I love this part that you talked about willpower because I see that being such a huge part of kind of like what you're supposed to do to do the right thing. And you really have to have a lot of willpower to continue doing what you're doing in order to achieve the goals that you want. Can you talk a little bit more about willpower and how that factors in? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting because willpower is not a word that I used a lot or used a lot in my own journey, like thinking about it. And so when I started, you know, really getting into this work and people kept saying, oh, I don't have the willpower. I don't have this. I began thinking like, where did that word even come from? You know? And I'm like, why is everybody using the term willpower? I'm like, this is such a diet culture term like, oh, you're not strong enough. Oh, you don't have willpower. And so, you know, to eat like this or follow this plan or whatever. So, I mean, when we look at it, it's like, that's just such a term from like the like dieting culture and, and what you think you should or shouldn't be eating or doing or anything like that. But, you know, when we're trying to rely on just that instead of our own intuition and what it is, like who we are, like our values as a human being, not just like a human body. Like if you're trying to just rely on something that you don't even connect with, you're going to end up like with the obsessive food thoughts, beating yourself up, thinking that there's something wrong with your body. And in reality, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your body. It's just that you're trying to rely on something that like, we don't even know why we're doing. We don't even know why we're trying to do the thing we're trying to do. Like, you know, and if you look at it deeper, like, why are we trying to control and contort and pulling back those layers, you're going to find like a lot of old beliefs that are coming up or a lot of imaging that you think that you should look like, or like all these, these things that impact like, like who we think we should be instead of who we actually are, if that makes sense. Yes. You're speaking to my heart. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because whenever we're living by the shoulds, right, we're kind of externalizing what we think we should be doing instead of looking inward and really syncing up with that rhythm and honoring that. Yes. 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 I love like looking within like 
Oh, I, I, I love that. And that's like one of, one of my favorite questions is to like clients and just generally, it's like, if you took your like body size or what you think you should look like off the table, like how would you be living? Like, what would you be doing? Like, what is important to you, you know, and beginning to like do that deep work within, um, it's such a beautiful thing. Yes. I love that. Well, um, one of the things that you mentioned was your own journey with it. And so I'd love to kind of hear about what your journey has been and how you got here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, my, the journey question. I love that. Um, you know, I, I think that as I mentioned, when I started off, um, everything that I do generally comes from, I teach what it is that I needed to learn. I think that that's such an important, um, thing for me in my life. It's not important for everybody, but just for me. But, um, you know, I think that when I look back and I really begin doing this type of work and where it, where it's done from, and I encourage you, if you're listening and you're struggling with body image and food stuff to begin to think for yourself as well, where did this stuff start for you? Like, you know, create a timeline, begin to understand and come at yourself with a little more, um, subjectivity instead of, you know, objectivity instead of like a judgmental phase, but it's an important thing to understand like your journey. So for me, like I started off like no cares in the world, like most kids, like we're not born thinking like, Oh, how should I look? What should I be eating? Like you're thinking you're fine. And then I was a little bit of a chubbier kid growing up. And then that's when I started hearing comments like to my mom from like family members concerned about my weight, like, Oh, she's chubby or like, Oh, like she did she really be eating that? And, um, like I began to kind of take in all of these comments and it was interesting because when I really started looking at this, like I never, I never thought that before I started hearing those things. So it goes to show like the messages and the types of, you know, our environment growing up and lots of different factors go into this. But, um, so that's kind of where I began to think to myself, well, wait a minute, is this not what I'm supposed to look like? And then when I became a little bit more conscious, you know, I love my mother dearly, but my mother was um, someone who struggled with her weight. And growing up in my house, she was a very big, she still is to this day. So I have to have like, you know, good boundaries, but now I'm in a place where it just doesn't bother me and it just kind of slides off. Um, but she was a huge calorie counter still is to this day. So growing up hearing like, Oh, can't eat this. How many calories does this piece of cheese have? It was very regimented, like not for us as kids. I've two other sisters, but just watching that, um, was a really like, Oh, wait a minute. Am I supposed to be counting calories? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just remember beginning to slowly, but surely have my worth be determined much more by my body size. And then I started getting into fitness and working out and I got smaller and people were started praising me on how I looked and then like, oh, well, then if the smaller I get, then the more praise I get, then that must be a good thing. So I slowly started to like associate my worth with my weight, which I think a lot of, um, a lot of us do. And I got to a place where I was pretty sick. And um, I would say that it was... I'd be classified more as like disordered eating. But I, one of my lowest points I'll never forget is that I was like 
18 or 19 years old and I had eaten a hundred calorie bag of pretzels. And like, I just, at that point in time, I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten that. I can't believe I did this. And it's embarrassing to like, it's not embarrassing, but it just goes to show where I was. I, it was like nine o'clock on a Friday night and I went to, my gym was open like 24 hours and I went to the gym to burn off the hundred calorie bag of pretzels. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I came back and that's like really when it hit me. I was like, wow, like this is, this is so unhealthy because it felt out of my control. Like it was just who I was valuing myself on, like the extreme food rules and exercising and like, you know, my body determined my worth and all of that stuff. And that's kind of where I slowly started beginning to, um, to really realize that something needed to shift. And obviously at that point, you can probably tell if I'm going to the gym on a Friday night that my relationships um, were totally like, I was avoiding social situations. I was like totally disconnected. I was so unhappy. I was like severely constipated and had digestive issues. Like I was so unhealthy, so unhappy, so disconnected. And it's ironic because I'm like, wow, this is the place I was. This is the place I wanted to be. This is like, I got there. I finally got there. I'm like the most miserable, unhappy person that you probably, nobody wanted to be around me, like nobody. And so I did a lot of work. I remember I had one meeting with like a dietitian, but um, like to kind of, kind of like figure out what it is that I needed to transition into. But um, it was a long process in order to like, obviously this was like 15, I used to say it was 10 years ago, but then I was like, wait, Corinne, you've aged <laughs> 10 years ago. It's like, time has passed. I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, the years keep going, but I'm like, oh, what is time? I, I mean, know, I know that's a great point. We can have a whole another conversation yeah. on that. But I, I was like, wait a minute, this is not just 10 years, Corinne. It's like, you know, but anyway, I, um, it, it, I, I slowly started beginning to, um, just realize that there's gotta be something, there's gotta be something else. And ironically at that time, like I had then decided to partially, partially, um, like probably there's some deep rooted element of like control to be able to like study nutrition. So kind of when that happens then, and I decided I needed to heal, I then decided I wanted to go and study nutrition. Okay. So then I was like there and long story short, I ended up, um, I ended up like the next four years getting my degree in um, nutritional sciences. And at that same time, like really working to rebuild my relationship with food and exercise. So, you know, it didn't just happen overnight, but it began like, instead of being horrified to eat, like, Hey, you need to fuel your body. And that was like, kind of like my basics. And you cannot go to the gym for two hours. Like that's not normal. And so it slowly started to build in that way. And, um, I then ended up getting a, uh, master's in nutrition, becoming a registered dietitian, you know, at that point, like going through all of that really started getting into, once I began like that first year or two of practice, I was like, okay, you're doing like the traditional work in terms of, I never was really weight focused at that point anyway, but I was more like, well, you know, here's this meal plan. Like, let's look at like what you should be eating and um, stuff like that. And then I realized, wait, what am I doing? This is so unfulfilling. Like I got to my goal place and was more miserable than ever. Like this is not working. So I took a um, a couple years off and like went to go work for, um, 
like a marketing company. I like was a social media manager as I began really getting into, I worked with a shaman. I did like well coaches program. I started getting into intuitive and mindful eating. I started getting into haze. I started like really just taking everything off and being like, how do I want to restructure what I do with clients and how I work with people. And so um, that was kind of the journey, you know? And now at this point, like I can tell you 15, 16 years or whatever it is later, you know, it's just such an integral part of my mission, not only because personally like experiencing what it feels like to be in those obsessive food rules, but also like spending that first like year or two figuring out like how I wanted to work with clients and what I saw was actually um, working and then being able to see like, Hey, this doesn't work. There's got to be a different approach. So slowly really beginning to understand and put into practice, like helping clients understand intuitive mind, intuitive eating, um, you know, mindfulness, self-compassion and all of that. And it was definitely, definitely a journey. And, um, yeah, it's also a long story. <laughs> no, I loved hearing all of that. And there's so many things in that that I just like want to pull out because one of the pieces that you really... Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, one of the pieces that you shared was just really how... Um, the way that we relate to ourselves and food is much deeper than just our health, right? And really talking about how our environment affects all of that and then impacts how we view ourselves in general. And so like this connection between our health and our self-worth is so, so crucial to me. And I love on your website, like I see you really connecting the dots on that. And that's one of the things that I love because I tend to feel like you know, when we look for like health coaching or when we look for life coaching or whatever it is that we're looking to work on, it feels like sometimes we get so narrow within the scope that we don't really take into account the depth of something and how it connects to, you know, everything inside of us. So would love for you to just chat about that. Yeah. The self-worth piece and how yeah. it all connects. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really... Oh, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's such an important element. And, um, you know, I think that when we first look at it, like when, when you think of like self-worth, like, what does that even mean? You know? And, um, beginning to understand that, like, I actually like looked up the definition just to make sure I knew what I was going to talk about on, before I got on the show. I'm like, wait, I know what self, but I tend to like, I do, I'm like, I know what it means, but you know, we all make sure that things, what, what does it mean to us? But regardless, I'll get into what it means too, but self-worth. Okay. It's a sense of one's value or worth as a person. So there we go. It's good to have the official <laughs> definition, right? Yeah. I'm just like, I want to make sure I have this official definition, but you know, I, I think that's something that I say a lot in some thing that I see a lot with the women that I work with is that especially, you know, as females and males can have this too, you know, male, female, like anywhere on the spectrum too. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, it doesn't matter wherever you identify. But my point is, is like, we're taught, you know, that our size does determine our worth, but also like impacts our worth, right? So I often see like the smaller that we are and you'll look at this in media or messages from friends and family or, or diet culture or books or all that, you know, but like we're really, be, we're really taught, I think from a very young age that like the smaller off, well, the smaller off we are, the better off we are. And, um, that has you fighting against your body. And, 
you know, I think that when you're talking about like looking at the deeper layers, that essential, like that timeline piece that I mentioned, like beginning to understand yourself, I think is one of the bravest things that you can possibly ever do. When you get curious and stop judging yourself and begin to look within and say, Hey, like, why do I feel like this? Like, why do I think I should look like this or eat this or be like this? You know, like it it just becomes such a bigger element and it goes to this huge other, other element of like, we are so much more than just our physical beings. And that's why understanding also our core values, I think is a very important part to this work. But, you know, bottom line is, and I've seen this with clients and I went through this personally, and I can tell you that you cannot hate yourself into accepting yourself. It just doesn't work like that. And, you know, I think that if you can't respect your body, like that there's some element of self-worth missing, you know, and there's an element of being like, well, then where is that lack of self-worth coming from? And that's where the deep dive comes in and then probably looking out, okay, wow. And then it's like this existential shift, I believe that, okay, other people can't determine my worth. So who determines my worth? It's kind of like a lot of, and I know that you do a lot of this too. It's like a lot of thought work, you know, and really beginning to understand that it's not your body. That is the problem, but there are societal factors and culture at play and your environment and where you grew up that fosters those messages. So really beginning to get curious instead of upset with yourself and giving yourself some compassion And when you're ready, I mean, this is like a practice. So a lot of times like I'll I'll hear like, oh my gosh, um, I can't even love my body the right way. Or there's something wrong with me. I can't even do this. And that's like the same thing as ending up in diet culture. You know, it's like you think that it's going to be this overnight process and it's not. And I think that that's where the huge element of self-care and self-compassion and beginning to talk to yourself in a different way is so important. And um, that's why I usually say like this it doesn't come up obviously like the body image stuff and we can talk about this, like it doesn't come up for me today, but it doesn't mean that other things like don't come up or I feel insecure about my work or I don't know. I mean, what did people think of me last night at this event or I mean, whatever, something like that. Like you're a human being who has human feelings and beginning to understand and look at it from this way of like, well, what would you say to a friend if they said the exact same thing? Or I, I'll say, what would I say to a client if they said this to me? Like, what would I say? You know? So it just, I think bottom line here when it comes to self-worth, like when we're looking at lots of different things and and our elements, like you have the ability and you get to choose what things that you want to allow into your life and believe. And I think that like understanding that we have choice is like one of the most freeing, freeing things. And it's like, whoa, I have this ability to help me determine how I want to feel. That's like a crazy thing. I don't have to look at this message. I don't have to let it in my life or I can say no to this person or I don't need to read this book or what if my body was fine or like, you know, so it's this really, I think, intense way of beginning to come at yourself or not intense. I don't want to freak anyone out. It can feel intense in the beginning. I will tell you that you're going to be like, whoa, this is 
crazy. But over time, it just becomes, it just, it is what it is. And there's, I think that this beautiful element of being able to relax into yourself and not get so wigged out, like, oh, if I messed up, I don't believe in messing up, but okay, let's just say you do. I mean, so what? Who cares? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? So I think it's this multiple culmination of all these different factors that go into understanding what's important to us. Who do we want to decide, let determine our worth and how do we want to show up in this world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. And I love this piece of, right. That if we are, um, that part about, you know, obviously exercising, eating well is good for us. And that is an expression of self-worth for ourselves. And if we don't take it to a deeper level, so let's say we're doing all of that, but we're only doing it because we want to get to the certain size. And if we're not that certain size, then it's, we don't really love ourselves, right? It's this deeper level of embodiment. And so the thing that I love that you're describing is that intuitive eating is all about actually connecting with your own body. And one of the things that I think happens in our society is we are so taught to listen to these formulas and ways of exercising, ways of eating that it actually disconnects us from our own experience within the physical realm. And so we're doing all of these external things, but not tuning into what's happening in in our own body. So that what you're teaching is so crucial for like that deep level of embodiment that I work on, but from a different lens. So Mm -hmm. love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I love everything about what you just said. And what, what you, what I also heard you say is this idea that like, um, and this is where I want to make it really clear to folks. It's like, anti-diet, which I am, non-diet if anti sounds a little too, you know, a little too harsh. No, be Um, revolutionary. Come on, do it. (laughs) Yeah. Anti-diet, non-diet, whatever word feels right to you. um, It doesn't mean anti-health. Okay. It means redefining and it it means redefining what health means to you. And so when I always work with people, I'm like, health does not mean to me sitting there being obsessive, feeling like, you're horrible if you didn't go to the gym or you're bad if you ate dessert or you wanted pizza. I mean, you know, I, it, when it comes down to, it's like really, really, and when you use the word like embodying, embodying like, like what does feeling good in your body look like to you and feel like to you? And I think that that's where the intention, your, what's your intention behind why it is you're doing what you're doing? Are you deciding to join this X and X program because you're trying to shrink yourself and beat yourself up? Or are you trying to, you know, I don't know, go to a yoga class or go on a walk because it's going to make you feel more grounded and peaceful and connected with yourself. And so it's understanding like, you know, there's this big difference. That's why I'm always like focusing on how do you care for yourself? Like, what is that? What do you, what does that mean to you? And how does that, how can you do it in a way that feels like part of just your natural way of being. Because going back to this earlier conversation, it's like the willpower, the beating ourselves up. That's not our natural way of being. That's like trying to control and contort. And you don't feel good when you do that. It just doesn't work. 
Mm-mm. Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, so one of the things that came up for me when you were talking about intuitive eating and I, you know, I've had my own journey with my body and I think most women can really relate to the journey that you shared and just like calorie counting and obsessively working out at the gym. I know that I've experienced that at different levels. And so I didn't know what intuitive eating was up until probably literally a couple of months ago, but I had been just doing it naturally because at one point I was like, screw the diets. I'm so sick of this shit. Like I'm ready to just, you know, do my own thing and listen to my body. And so I love that there's a name for it and people are practicing it and like teaching other people how to do it. It's so important. But I know for me, one of the scary pieces of letting go of, and this gets back to control is like letting go of the prescribed diet and the prescribed way of exercising that gets you an X result is, well, if I'm craving this, won't I gain like more weight? Right. And so there's so much fear and like this, how do you let go of the control and what happens? Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's such a, it's such a good question. And it's a question that Honestly, I've started recording season two of my podcast um, uh, this last couple of months and everybody has such a different perspective on this. And so it's a question that I've been asking. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think that first, what's really important to understand is that when you, there's two things you've got to at first make the decision, the conscious choice that you really want to let go of this dieting culture or anything that's masked as trying to change or manipulate your body. Like it's a choice and it's not always an easy choice, but it's a choice that like you really need to consciously decide to do. Because what I see happen a lot is that we're trying to do it, but then we're holding on to elements of how we think we should look or like still dieting books or or following certain feeds or something like that. So what ends up happening is like you're getting in, you're getting these mixed messages and you're like confused of what I should be doing. Um, So it's the first thing I think to this is like, you've got to make the decision and the choice. And then the second piece to this is that you're allowed and should talk about how it feels scary and what would happen if you let go of this ideal body. Okay. I think that that's a really important thing that I'm not talking about, like, let's avoid all your fears. Like, let's just take off the table, wait off the table and never talk about it. That's not how we're conditioned. There's nothing wrong with you if you're like longing to be a certain way, like, but it is a hard, scary thing. Um, And I like to compare it to like, sometimes clients will go through this grieving process. So I like to compare it to um, leaving a toxic um, relationship. So if you were in this bad relationship with this person and they're treating you like garbage, they're constantly telling you you're not good enough, that you need to lose weight. You're, there is, you're, they're never really going to love you, but like you, you have this hope, you have this desire, right? It's like, you're in this relationship, you know, it's horrible. It's making you feel bad. You keep trying to go back. You think that there's going to be something something's going to change this time. Maybe it's a different approach. Maybe it's even a different partner, but it's like the same partner, but you haven't healed your stuff. So you keep going back to that partner, that partner, that toxic, bad relationship is the dieting world. Uh, that's I like to describe it to people because 
leaving that relationship is scary. You don't know what's going to happen on the other side. Like you're not sure. Hey, am I going to find somebody else? Am I going to like myself? Somebody else going to love me? Like, what am I going to do? Like, but my finances, if we were living together, how is that going to look? Like, oh my gosh, what if I wanted to have kids? Like you're going to have all these crazy thoughts going through your mind. And I think that that's something that everybody can relate to and really understand because when you leave that promise of that dieting world and that dieting culture, like you're going to have fear. You're going to have sometimes clients even need to grieve that. There's like this deep grieving of letting go and being like, okay, like this is really hard, but I know on the other side that there's something else. And so that's how I like to really compare it to and beginning to understand, not just understand, it's like this deep internalization, maybe embodiment if we go here. Um, But it's this deep embodiment of understanding and internalizing that when you come out on the other side and you begin to let go of what it is that you think you're supposed to look like of the food rules, because are they really helping you, you know, and are they really allowing you to feel how it is that you want to feel? And you begin to like, just trust. And there's this element of blind trust, blind surrender, and just leaving that toxic relationship. Like you will, if you show up every day, it's like healing that bad relationship. Like you will begin to heal and that healing. And in that like process, I think that there's nothing more freeing than feeling that freedom with food in your body. And it's a practice. It's a process. It takes time. Um, but there will be moments just like anything else where they're hard. You may still go back and grieve. And like, I think it's really important that, um, I was doing a um, an episode or about a year ago, and I was like, you know, my 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 definition of like, how do you know that you've like healed body image stuff? It's it's if you go and you try on that pair of jeans that you used to have, and they don't fit anymore. It's not like I'm gonna. This this is a true story. This happened. It's not like I'm gonna be like not sad at all and be like, oh wow, okay, like there's not hundred dollars just wasted, or these jeans don't fit, and wow, okay, like it's not like I'm not gonna have an opinion or feel kind of sad about it. But the big difference is that like I'm not gonna let that those jeans like determine my worth. I'm not gonna sit there and let those obsessive food thoughts and body image thoughts like determine like what do I want to eat? Or like, what can't I eat? Or maybe I should go to the gym, you know, instead, if anything, and if you are, you know, listening and struggling this way, if, if you feel like something is out of alignment in your life and you're like, okay, something, maybe you just need to like check back in and like care for yourself, care for yourself in a different way. So it's not like we're abandoning health. It's not like we're doing any of that, but your definition, your definition of, um, what's important to you, I think from a health and a body size, like will change and it's a process. And I think even having conversations like this, um, is so important and realizing that like, Hey, you like want to do body positivity and you don't feel positive in your body today. That also doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I love how you describe it as it's a process and creating space for the grieving because you are letting go of something and there's a lot of shadow pieces that come up with that. And so just creating space to be human, to have your like ups and downs with it. Cause I know they're definitely something that I noticed for myself is when I get stressed, I actually start to exhibit more control over my food 
And I've noticed that correlation. So it's like, there's bad days and bad weeks. And then there's some times where you really have to like learn where your red flags are and then be like, wait, what's happening? Like, what am I doing right now? And start to kind of shift back into different kind of programming because it is programming. I mean, society continually inundates us with images and we have that dialogue going on and it's really about like shifting that within ourselves. So that's huge. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. And that is such a good, you just like gave a great example because like, that's, that's what you're talking about. That's like self-care. That's being, that's being like objective instead of judgmental. It's like, that's the exact process. It's like, oh, wow. I realize that when I'm stressed, like I become more control. It's not, oh, I'm horrible or this is never right. going to work for, you know? And I think that that's such an important thing. And then, you know, the programming and yeah, I love every, every, every piece of that. Oh, I love what you're doing. Okay. Um, so one thing that I want to shift into talking about is you are pregnant and congratulations. Yay. So happy for you. Um, but I know that, you know, with body image and pregnancy, that is something that comes up for women quite a bit. And so, you know, I'd love to, you know, just hear your story with pregnancy and body, whatever you're willing to share and even maybe how you help clients or even yourself, um, deal yeah. with that. Yes. I am. Um, I am, I'm like, I'm horrible. Cause some people are, I'm like 27 weeks. I think it is today. And, um, so it's like a little tracking hard. every day. I like. know some people are like, I'm like, I'm not one of those people. And if you are one of those people, kudos to you. I am just like, yeah, I'm like kind of, I don't have a birth plan yet. I don't have any of that stuff yet. I got to get on top of this. But what I will, what I will say, it's also the part of my personality, but what I will say is that, um, you know, personally, I ha I have to say I have, I mean, if anything, I did not, and I, this is common for a lot of women. Like I did not even realize that I was pregnant until like nine or 10 weeks. And, um, for me, I was kind of shocked at that. So I was like, Oh, wow. I'm like, I didn't, how could I not know this? Like I'm not in tune with my post. So I was, you know, I was kind of like, I want to, I don't want to say beating myself up, but I was like a little embarrassed to be like, I do body image work and I don't even know what's happening going on inside my body. But at the I'm time, hearing some judgment happening. I know. So it's judgment guys. See, it's all, we're all human beings Yeah, yeah. happening. And so, um, and so I, um, I, I did not, I did not realize that. And I think that that was, that was a little bit of something for me that I paused and I was like, Oh wow. But then I did call the doctor. Cause I was like, you know, I feel like there's something, um, I feel like there's something inside of my body. Like it just something feels wrong, but I thought it was like a pull up. Cause I'd gone in earlier and they're like, it's going to be really hard for you to get pregnant. And there's a long story behind that, but we won't go into it today. But so I was like, I was like, I think that there is like a cyst or something in there. And they're like, are you sure you're not pregnant? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And then I was like, Oh my God. And then I was. And so there, that was, that was a little bit of my mindset shift at the time. But I have to say that like, I'm really am so so grateful because, you know, in terms of like body stuff coming up, like, wow, I've been pregnant. I've been so fortunate in the fact that like, I've really had like no morning sickness. I've just, I mean, like it's been a very, um, I've been very fortunate in, in my pregnancy journey and like the body image stuff, which I really wasn't sure because you can heal stuff and then stuff comes up later on. But like, nothing's really come up. Like, I'm curious to see what happens. Like, you know, I'm just more interested. And I think that like, Hey, what's going to happen? Like after I have the body, I'm like more coming from it from a very curious standpoint in terms of what's my stomach going to look like after this. 
You know, I'm really thankful. I will say this. I think it's really important for women. Like I follow only now like accounts on social media and stuff that are like real. Nothing is Photoshop and a lot of body positivity stuff. And it's been really interesting for me as a woman just to see like what a, what a body looks like after pregnancy. Like what, you know, I think that that is so important. So like, and I know that that can be like triggering for people to see like different bodies. And so this is where in your own journey, like everybody needs and has a different experience and different needs and wants and stuff like that. But for me personally, it's really allowed me to be like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, what is my body going to look like after, you know? So I think that like, just going back to this idea of for listeners, like a body positivity and body image healing and stuff like that. It's so important to follow accounts on social media that literally make you feel good. And even if they say that they're supposed to make you feel good and they don't, you're, you have unconditional permission to unfollow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I will say that about like my own personal journey and I will say something that's been really interesting as, um, just I've gone more and more into my career is that something that happens during pregnancy, it's very interesting, is that women, I mean, not everybody, of course, this is not the case, but you feel generally like feel almost like more liberated if you've done more like depending on where you are in the body image and like food healing journey. Um, like, and this can even happen for um, women who struggle with disorder eating eating disorders. I mean, again, it depends for each and every different individual, but um, there's this sense of like, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm allowed to expand. I'm allowed to get bigger and I can listen to my body. And they let themselves do that during this time because they literally feel like they're allowed to and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And then what happens sometimes that I see after is like, that is the point that is the hardest because, oh my God, like all of a sudden there, it goes back to the culture and the conditioning. They're not allowed to expand and be bigger anymore or bodies changing or anything like that. It's like, we're used to seeing these like six, six week or six, you know, whatever back to pre 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 mommy bodies or whatever like that. And like, that is unrealistic. So I think one of the most interesting shifts in the work that I do um, with women. It's like more like that after phase. And what ends up happening is like, if you were stuck in dieting culture or trying to heal your relationship with food in your body, and you like feel like you allowed yourself to expand and get bigger um, and during pregnancy time. And then after you're like, it's typical to have women and clients like beating themselves up and being like, I finally allowed myself to listen to my body and expand and intuitively eat. And this is what happened. And so then the conversation comes up. It's like, well, was it really your body that you're not trusting? Or was it the fact that like you actually for the first time in your life gave yourself permission to kind of begin to listen and allow yourself to, to eat things that you didn't. So it's almost when you go through that process and feel like this out of control experience, and then you're blaming it on your body. But in really, in reality, it's like diet culture and dieting rules um, set you up 
to end up in this place where you just like felt out of control or like you finally had permission and we do all need permission. I think that this goes back to the idea that like when you first start doing this work, like until you begin to find a rhythm with your body, even if you've had off limit foods and foods you can't eat, literally research shows that our brains are going to be programmed to become like obsessed food preoccupation with that food. So it's a very normal process. So it's like, you know, more of reassuring the fact that like, Hey, actually, no, it's not, it's, it's not, your body isn't wrong again. It's the fact that like the dieting culture came in to play. And finally, this was a time that you allowed yourself to expand. Like there's still hope. So it's a very interesting concept that comes up. And, um, I think it's just important to talk about because I don't hear very many people, um, talk about it, but like, obviously also when you are pregnant and your body is changing, um, you can have all sorts of things and fears and stuff like that come up. But those fears, I think, um, are almost a little bit more regulated because you feel like it's okay. Cause you're pregnant, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Corinne, so I think you're like hitting something really important here. And that is that, in society, women are taught that you can let go of the rules because you are supposed to love and cherish this baby that's growing inside of you and give it everything that you can. You're eating for two, quote unquote, right? And But then afterwards, you have to go back to restricting because society unfortunately doesn't teach us to love ourselves. So you're not giving yourself the love that you give to your own baby. And so it's such a really, um, intense kind of contrast between society says it's okay for you to do what you want to do to your body if you have a baby in it, but not if you don't. And it gets so at the like self-worth piece, uh, mind blowing. So that's like really, really important. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Well, I'm glad you summarized it in like two sentences. (laughs) (laughs) I just, this is why podcasts are really awesome because you're learning from each other and I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm like, yes, yes, that's what it is. I wouldn't have had that insight without you. So, um, that's awesome. Okay, great. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that and sharing your own journey with it. Um, and I think, yeah, it's definitely so different from women to women. Um, even, like when we talk about like conceiving and the body and how many stuff comes up around that, which I think could probably be an entire different podcast. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, But I'm kind of curious, um, and we talked about it a little bit, but with kind of shifting from diet culture into intuitive eating, how does, you know, one start to shift? I know one of the things that you brought up is really like the desire to not control your food intake and the way that you exercise. But if you can kind of speak to, you know, some of the things that you work on with clients and maybe common obstacles that show up as they transition from that diet culture into intuitive eating. Yeah. So, um, yes, I will. There's lots of different, um, there's lots of different ways and it depends what's, what's kind of coming up for, um, each individual client. But I think the very first thing, and I think I, I talked a little bit about this, but if I was to think like, what are some ways that you can start shifting diet culture into intuitive eating? The very first thing that comes to mind um, that I have almost every single client do is declutter your environment. 
I mean, that means like getting rid of your scale, getting rid of old um, dieting books, go doing a social media account audit. Like it's very important to structure your environment from to become the woman that's already inside you, but that you decide to become. Or, you know, it's very important to make that decision. You've got to declutter your environment. Um, And really beginning to ask yourself if you took weight or your body size off the table and stopped obsessing about it, like, what would you do? What would your world look like? Like, what would you wear? Would you go and enjoy times with friends instead of panicking about what you're going to order? Um, You know? what jobs would you apply to? Would you finally go to the gym or take that yoga class? Like what would your world look like if you let that go? And I think allowing yourself to explore in that area and have fun with it, because yes, this is very deep work and I don't like freaking people out, but it's also like freeing and can be an enjoyable process. And then the other thing that is really important is allowing yourself... I I like to use these two words with clients all the time. And if you want to like write, I have them write them down. It's just like, just experiment and begin to get curious. Like when you come at it from that mindset, it is so much easier to begin making the shift because when we don't, you know, we think about like experimentation, it's like, Hey, let me just try this and see how I feel and see if there's a shift, you know, allowing yourself to get curious. And I want to say that like, if you just try something one time, it's probably going to feel really uncomfortable and you're not going to like it. And if you just try it and you're like, this feels horrible. Like, you know, like I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to try it. If you're like totally afraid and freaked out of like eating ice cream, that's what you decide to do. The first time you decide to do it, it's going to feel like horrifying. So don't let that be your base. Okay. Like start with small things that you feel comfortable with and allow yourself to repeatedly come up and just come at things with like more curiosity. And you can start with, you know, what does hunger even feel like in my body? You know, what does fullness feel like? Like what does satisfaction mean? Like that's one of my favorite words lately with clients because satisfaction is something that like we really don't think about with like food and allowing yourself like satisfaction could be, um, let's say if you're just so used to having this green smoothie every morning, but you don't really want it, but you're thinking that you should eat it. And maybe the next day you have like toast with peanut butter and like Nutella on it. Cause that's what sounds satisfying to you. You're going to feel so much more aligned and you're going to feel, that's what I eat like almost every morning. I know. I see it on your Instagram. I love it. <laughs> I know. But that doesn't mean like today, let's say today I had, this is a great example. Today I had like yogurt with um, some peanut butter, granola and blueberries. Cause I didn't like the toast did not sound good to me. It did not sound satisfying. So beginning to understand that there's no like rules. There's no, it's like very fluid, fluid, fluid. I was going to say fluidity, but that doesn't go here. So it's very fluid and it's allowing yourself to play in the gray instead of think in this black and white mentality. And when we think about playing in the gray, this can be a really helpful exercise that I have clients do is looking at the rules that you have created for yourself. Like you don't even have to do anything besides look at those rules when it comes to like food in your body stuff, but like you don't have to do anything, but even beginning to write them down, like what rules are you following? Right? So let's say if your old rule was like, I can't eat past 8 PM. Okay. Well, what happens if you're really hungry at nine and then you can't sleep? Like that's not the definition of health. Okay. And so to me, 
And so, um, you know, beginning to look at that and say, and beginning to get curious, like, wow, what are these rules? Like, why are they here? Like, how can you shift those? So I would have a client, like an old rule, I can't eat past 8 p.m., like a new rule. If I am hungry or want to enjoy something, I'm allowed to eat regardless of what time it is. That is such a freeing thing for you to be able to do. And um, it's an exercise that like can bring up a lot of stuff, but it's also an exercise that is just eye-opening, you know? It's a very important one, I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. That is so helpful. And I and I wonder, you know, when you're... Because you're almost doing this, like, step one is you are creating an environment that feels good for you, that's going to surround you with the kind of messages that are more realistic of what a woman's body actually looks like. Um, and that is so important for all of us. And then like step two was, um, kind of diving into what your future self almost would look like if I didn't have all of these rules. Um, and then like the freedom that I think comes with that. Cause one of the things that you had been describing, like for yourself, that you were kind of taking yourself away from social situations, like how much more fun would you have? Like, what could you enjoy more of like so important? Yeah. And then step number three, what was the last one? Yeah. The, um, it's just about like experimenting and allowing yeah. yourself to get curious and then like rewriting those rules or not yeah. even rewriting, rewrite them when you're ready, but even get curious about like, what are the rules right now when it comes to food in your body that you're living in? And, you know, are these helpful to you? Cause a lot of them are so unconscious too, cause we grew up with them. And so we automatically follow them without thinking about them. So bringing awareness to them is so crucial. Yes. So important. Yes. Thank you. Such yeah. good suggestions. Um, so are there any places where you see people really getting tripped up or having the most issues, struggles that, you know, people should watch out for? Yes. Yes. I was, um, I, I was really thinking about this and I think that there are four things that really come to mind when I, um, begin doing work with, I mean, or just not even work with what, what I see generally speaking when it comes to, you know, struggling with your body. If you are trying to enter this world of body positivity, what comes up? Like, what are those common obstacles? And I think the very first thing um, is that thinking that it's going to happen overnight. And I think that though, as human beings, like we do this with everything with like our businesses, with our bodies, with finding a relationship, you know? So I just really do want to reiterate that like, this is a practice. It is not something that is going to happen overnight. There is not good or bad here. There's no should. Like you are literally only the person who knows what is best for you. And I feel like that is such a core message in my work. And a lot of times I'll say to clients, it's like, hey, some messages I'm going to say to you and they're going to really resonate and others are not. It's your job to show up, do the work and figure out what works for you and keep what does and leave what doesn't. So just understanding like this isn't an overnight process. And the other thing that comes up a lot is that... Um, and. I used to have this mentality too, is that if you you're, you if you actually liked your body, then a lot of times we think that it's very normal to never have a bad body image day. 
Okay. And that, again, it would not mean that you just wouldn't be a human being living on planet earth, having human experience. If like every day you just woke up and you're like, I absolutely love myself and love my body and blah, 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 blah. Like if that is you, then you have a secret and I would love to talk to you because (laughs) I do not, you know, it doesn't mean that like, you're never going to go throughout your entire day and you're not going to ever have a negative thought about yourself or your body ever, ever, ever again, you know, but it means it's like, okay, you overate, you overate. So what? Like, if you don't like the way that this dress looks today, wear something else. And, you know, I think that it's just really important to understand and to not let ourselves like, not let ourselves get trapped on the other side that if we love our bodies, then we're never going to feel like anything less than love for them, you know? So I think that that's an important thing. And then the other two things that come up, the third thing, obviously you could tell that there's a lot that goes into this process is the process and getting overwhelmed is something that comes up a lot. It's like all of these different things come up, but, um, overwhelm is one of the things that I see come up a lot. And I want just people to know generally, like when you start doing this work, it feels overwhelming because it's new and it's scary. And it's like, again, if we go back to that leaving a bad relationship analogy, then that always feels overwhelming too, because it's like you're leaving one thing for another and that's a transition. But I promise that like when you show up and you kind of come at yourself with like a little more fun and curiosity and play and instead of like, and compassion, instead of like rigidity, things begin to shift. Um, I don't want to say quickly, but it will become not so overwhelming. And that is also why decluttering your environment, like we talked about, is so important. Because if you're following like 20 different people or all these different coaches and you're confused, and I mean, that, that, that alone is overwhelming. So like whatever you're deciding to do in your life, like focus on one thing and just allow yourself to kind of know that over time you will find your own answers. And then the last thing too is just deciding that it's a choice, like deciding that you have the power to choose going into this pathway of healing your relationship with food and your body and really wanting to give yourself more compassion and peace. I love all of what you said. Yeah. Um, Cause I know like one of the things that often gets advertised is like, get the body you want in 30 days or 60 days or whatever it is. And it's so important. Like even if you're looking to lose weight or whatever it is, that it's really about developing habits that are going to hold you for the long term, And so it's always a process. So maybe you'll lose like 10 pounds or whatever, but what's going to happen after that month, right? And how can you really develop a different kind of relationship with yourself that deepens and that just makes you like give yourself a big hug. And yeah, I love all of the pieces that you shared with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then on that note, I just have one, one thing that I wanted to say that you brought up that's like really important, your body, like changing, like, um, our bodies are meant to change. Mm-hmm. I just want to add that in because yeah. we don't realize that. And I just want to say that, like, if we expect, I, I was writing about this the other day and if we expect our 25 year old bodies to look like our 90 year old bodies, if I am fortunate enough to live until I'm 90, my grandmother's like 96, but, or whatever, your seven year old body. If we expect our bodies never to change or shift when we go through like pregnancy or postpartum or just an injury or depression or sadness. I mean, anything or like, you know, just a life transition, like our body and aging, aging is transition. Our bodies are meant to change shape 
in size. So this goes to this other element of like when we're trying to control and contort, that's like another obstacle that I forgot to mention. But if we're, if we're trying to like think that our bodies aren't going to do that, then that's an unrealistic expectation. So it's like, you know, we're in this hamster wheel of trying to change something that is meant to change. And then we're set up to fail. And then we feel like we're horrible, but it's not, it's not that you're horrible. It's not that there's anything wrong with your body. It's that the beliefs, the society, the culture, you know, the, the method of what, what's happening. It's like, that is the root of the issue, not your body. Yes. That is such an important message. Absolutely. Totally. Love that you said that. Um, all right. Well, um, I, I'm really, I love, I love quotes and I love books and I love words. And so one of the things that I always like to kind of get from people is I used to, I used to have this like quote book that I would have and I would layer it with all kinds of quotes. And so I'm interested to hear what is a quote that has profoundly impacted you in some way. Yeah. Um, the biggest quote, I think that like when I heard this, when I started getting into this work, I was like, Oh my God, this is like the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And it's something that like I have on everything. It's, um, it's, it's, this quote by Kim McMillan, and it's like in this book called When I Love Myself Enough, it's this tiny little book. It's like literally, it's a tiny book. And it's just this one simple quote. And I bought this little book for this quote. And the quote is, when I loved myself enough, I began leaving whatever wasn't healthy. This meant people, jobs, my own beliefs and habits, anything that kept me small. My judgment called it disloyal. Now I see it as self-loving. Mm. yeah that. yeah all the sheds leaving them behind yeah thank you mm-hmm. um so when I, the the last question I'm going to ask you and um I like asking this question because I think it dispels the myth that we see on social media that we're all like perfect and I think as coaches you know we have all these like beautiful images and we're coaching on these things and you know we're quote-unquote experts or whatever so to speak I think we you did a really good job of just kind of dispelling this myth that, you know, because you're a body coach or intuitive eating coach, health coach, that you don't have bad days. Right. But, um, I love to kind of know what's kind of the weirdest thing about you. Um, I think we're all weird. And so I love to celebrate people's weirdness and just recognizing that we're not meant to be quote unquote normal, whatever that means. So what's kind of the weirdest thing about you? Oh, well, I, you know, I think that there are two, like three very surface things that are very weird. I, I mean, I think that they're weird, but like, if you like hung out with me for like three a day, you probably noticed like, I like hate cold water. I will never drink water with ice cubes in it. And it has no health reason whatsoever. But if you ever go to a restaurant with me and I don't drink water, it's if there's ice cubes or it's cold, that is why. I like drink lukewarm water and people think it's so strange, but it is true. Um, the, well, yeah. they have this, um, they actually have at restaurants. There's some restaurants that they're like kind of fancy. They have something, they have a term for lukewarm water and I don't know what it is. 
is. I forgot, but I, I don't think you're alone. I don't want you to feel alone, but I hear you. I don't like ice cubes either. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, like when I pour water out of the tap, which I it's just want to drink tap water, it's warm. I'm pulling warm water, you guys. It's actually on the hot side. So oh, it's, it's like, on the hot side. Okay. It's on the hot side because then it takes like long, it takes quicker to get warm. So yeah, it's, it's extreme. It's extreme. Okay, and then the other thing, um, there's two other things that like, I always am twirling my hair. Like if you sit there and watch me work, like I've done this since I was like a child and people think it's like a nervous twitch. I'm not nervous. I mean, maybe on some subconscious level, I have no idea. I've never gotten it looked into, but I will constantly like, I'll sit there and I'm thinking, and I'm just like twirling my hair. It's like a very self-soothing mechanism for me. And then the other thing, which my husband always gets really upset about is like, if I go into a kitchen and I will never probably most likely close a drawer. So I'll go in there and then like, I just open these things that I'm cooking. So like, I don't even notice I do it. Actually, like every relationship I've been in, the, the they're like, what's wrong with you? You like, don't close things in the kitchen. So <laughs> I like, I, I like go into my kitchen and I like, don't even realize it's like not, it's not important to me. So like, I don't notice it, but now it's like, okay, I have to like, I'm also like having a child now. So I'm like, I'm going to have to start shutting my drawers. So <laughs> I have to like, so I have to like really like it's something that I'm personally working on, but, um, one day at a time, one day at a time. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I know it's like very bizarre, but I don't close any drawers. Corinne, and you're so, a woman in flow. Like that yeah. is what's happening. You're in flow. You, you don't have time for this mediocre stuff. You just need to keep going. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. And I, I think that the other thing that like the other thing that people probably would never know in that, like I do talk about it. If like you've heard me on my show or something like that, is that like, um, you know, I teach what it is that I needed to learn. And then I am like definitely an ambivert. If I am like in a social situation for a very long time, I will like be very good in that social situation. I love people, but I like will need to come home and recharge and really protect myself because like I have, um, I have the tendency also to get into these like little depression funks. So all this stuff with like self-care, it becomes like a deeper level of like, how do I need to take care of myself? And like, why am I doing it? So, um, you know, there's also, it's kind of like the thing that probably, that probably, um, that probably people don't assume, you know? And I think that, um, I think that there's like a lot of stuff that like people don't assume. Nobody's life is perfect just because they have a website or social media. I know. It's so true. Yeah. And I love that last piece that you brought up. Um, And I think if you're an introspective person, right, like you're going to have the breakdowns where you're like, what am I even doing? What is this life? What am I here for? So yeah, thank you so much for for sharing yourself and for sharing your amazing work with clients. Um, I think everything you brought up is just so powerful and so needed um, for women and for anybody who is struggling with body image and their relationship with food and health. So thank you so much for being here. Loved having you loved our conversation. And, um, I will post all of the links for you to follow Corinne, for you to check out her work. And so I hope you visit her in her online world. Um, and thank you to everyone who joined me for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week. 